another big week for the Collingwood Footy Club, and not necessarily from an on-field standpoint either. The 27-point loss to the Eagles on Friday night, potentially overshadowed by the fact the club has just announced a new president in Mark Corder. We, of course, were handed down a $20,000 fine thanks to the phone scandal involving Jordan Degoe and Jeremy Howe, and the club has now got a mounting injury list to deal with. But let's jump into all of that on this week's episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Can run onto it. Arches away from Kelly. Has a running shot at it. Very good. Second goal, Bo McCreary. Off the top, we'll just mention the uh, the big fact, I guess, that the Collingwood Footy Club has a new president, Mark Corder, announced yesterday as the 13th president of the Collingwood Football Club. Look, I'm not going to talk too much about it. I think if you look across social media, across Facebook and Twitter, you'll realise pretty quickly that Collingwood fans aren't necessarily too thrilled with the news. Corder's been on the board for quite some time, and it really raises questions, I guess, to fans on how much change will actually occur under his presidency or whether we're going to get the same kind of stuff as we had with Eddie as president. But from my point of view, I don't think I know enough about the footy club from a board level to really comment on it too much and make uh, any heavy opinions either way. So we'll move on from that and more to the on-field stuff and start with last Friday night's 27-point loss to the Eagles. Look, I don't really want to sound like a pessimist, but as someone that wants to work in the footy media, potentially the sports media or the media in general, I've also got to understand that I've got to try and analyse and look at the game from an unbiased point of view. I can't be coming in here and expecting Collingwood to win every game that they play. That's just not going to happen. And I said last week that if your expectations were a victory, then you were going to... Uh, go away very disappointing, disappointed from uh, Friday night's game. And from my point of view, I didn't expect us to win. That was just the cold, hard facts of it. Now you can call me a pessimist. And yes, of course, I you know want Collingwood to win every game of footy that they play, but I understand that's not always possible, that's for sure. So the stage we were at, the stage West Coast were at, especially them, I think, coming off a really poor loss the previous week. I didn't expect us to win that game of footy. And to be fair, a 27-point loss is what I about expected, really. I thought things were looking really good in the first quarter. We had a 15-point lead at quarter time. I thought we played really well in the, the first quarter. Second and third quarter were obviously really dismal and disappointing. Uh, but to be fair, I will give the boys credit. I will give the club credit. That 41-point uh, deficit at three-quarter time, I looked at that and thought, geez, this could get really ugly really quickly. And that could have blown out to 60, 70, potentially even 80 point loss. So I will give the boys credit, the club credit. They did fight hard in that last quarter. Yes, potentially West Coast took their foot off the gas, but I was happy with the way that the boys responded in that last quarter. And there was even a point where, now we know Brian Taylor likes to make things interesting when they're probably not too interesting, but he actually mentioned, what, with seven, eight minutes to go there in the fourth quarter, that if we did kick the next one, there'd be a possibility of a miracle comeback. I never really thought that. And uh, oftentimes BT tries to make something out of nothing. But uh, I will give us credit for fighting back and showing some positive signs in that fourth quarter. Probably the biggest thing from the game that I want to start with, though, Darcy Moore playing forward. Now, I I don't like it. I, I'm just going to put that out there. I don't like it at all. I was against it before the game. I'm still against it now. Now, he had eight marks, three goals. That's a fairly decent return. I mean, if he kicks three goals every week and plays a full season there, then he's kicking 60 goals for the season. So if you look at it from that point of view, 
I mean, he had a fairly decent output. He was like the team. He had a great first quarter. He trailed off in the second. Well, not to say trailed off. He didn't touch the ball in the second and third quarters. He didn't get near it. So that's the cold hard fact of that. And then he came back into the game in the fourth quarter. Had a couple of shots at goal. Finished with his three goals. So a decent output, at least for two quarters. Uh, half a footy there, the first and last quarter. But I don't like the move. I personally believe he is the best key defender in the game. And I think we've got to look at it from the futuristic point of view of can Darcy Moore be the best key forward in the game? I think he can be a good key forward. And I think he can kick 50 goals a season, which I guess that's what Collingwood need. Yes, I'd just like us to find that through someone else and not Darcy Moore because I think Darcy Moore is the best key defender in the game. And I'm not giving up. I don't want to give up the best key defender in the game for a good key forward. Now, if we're going to do that, then we just let Darcy Moore walk in free agency last season and go and sign Jeremy Cameron. Like, that would have been it. But no, I think Darcy... Uh, Moore is a, a much better player than Jeremy Cameron, so we resigned Jeremy Cameron. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Jeremy Cameron. We resigned Darcy Moore. Uh, I think we had a crack at Cameron, didn't we? I don't even know what happened last season. There was talk that we had a crack at Cameron, even though we had all the salary cap issues. I'm not sure what was going on, but anyway, uh, Darcy Moore. I just I don't like it. I think he's a key defender. My issue with it and the potential problems of it is, let's say that Bucks has decided, let's give him a four-week stretch. Let's give him another four games, trial him as a forward, see what happens. Now, the potential problem is, what if he doesn't get near it in the next four weeks? And then you reevaluate at that stage, and then you think, all right, we'll send him back, where he's the best key defender in the game. Now, the problem is, if he doesn't get near it in the next four weeks, that just saps his confidence. And all of a sudden, he might go back into defense, where he does feel comfortable, but he might not go back to same player as he was before the, the round against West Coast. So for me, that's the potential problem. Now, the potential, I guess, optimistic outlook is that he could become a really good key forward. He could kick 60 goals in a season. Now, that would be a great return, yes, but I still think you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, and that 60-goal season might come to as a detriment to the back line. Well, it will, because the Collingwood defense is much better with Darcy Moore in it than isn't. So, yeah, I, what will happen, I don't know. I can see him. I think, it, I think it worked well enough for Bucks to try it again. And I don't want him to, but I think realistically, we've probably got to expect that Darcy Moore plays forward at least this week and again, just see what happens. But, I mean, do you need to give it a decent crack for three or four games to, to see if the experiment works? I don't know. I think if he doesn't get near it this week, just send him back. Just before it it gets to the stage where it could really kill his confidence, just put him back into where he's comfortable, where he's an all-Australian player. So I I don't like it, but we'll just wait and see what happens. Uh, A couple of positives from the game, and I've been harping on it for weeks, kind of play the kids. I don't don't think we should necessarily go out and play five or six kids at once because then you're really putting them at – Sorry, you're really putting them in in a hostile situation where you can potentially lose their confidence as well if you start to get a couple of big losses. And I, I like what they're doing now with a couple in there. Obviously, having McRae and McCreary in last week. Keane came in for uh, his second game, which have both been against West Coast, I believe, which both against West Coast, both in Perth. So he's had a tough initiation to his AFL career. And, of course, he's got that one-week suspension now for that 
I'm just going to call it strange incident with Josh Kennedy. I'm not sure what was going through his head, but uh, anyway. But uh, on to McRae and McCreary. I thought they were the two biggest positives of the night. McCreary kicked his two goals, which is if he's doing that every week, I think that's a great result. That goal in the first quarter, when he went back and just slotted it, I remember looking, I I was thinking, I don't think he's got the distance here, and then he shut me up by going and putting the ball (laughs) post-height. through the middle so that was extraordinary I didn't know he had that kind of foot skill or that depth in his kick uh, before before that that was quite extraordinary and uh, Finlay McRae he's fairly, well he started the game off really well he uh, had a few possessions early again he was like the team he had a good first quarter tailed off in the second and third quarters but the fourth quarter clearly with the, the side 41 points down Bucks was like all right let's give this kid an opportunity, full-time midfield for a quarter, see how he goes, see how he handles that. And he had 12 possessions in the last quarter. I think he's a McRae. He knows where the ball is. He goes, gets ball, he racks them up. He's he's very, very similar to his brother. What I did like was he turned the ball over a few times, but he showed an ability to kick the ball on both sides of his body and, and just be... I know he turned the ball over a couple of times, but he looks like a neat and classy kind of player, like his brother again. And he's also obviously showed that ability in that fourth quarter. To have 12 disposals in a quarter in your debut game, that's rare. That's rare. I might have to tweet Swamp and see who's had 12 disposals in a quarter on debut before. I, I don't imagine the list is very long. So he was a massive positive in that last quarter. And if he comes out and has 25 possessions this week on Anzac Day, it wouldn't surprise me. He could have a 30-possession game this season. It wouldn't surprise me. Now, I don't want to put too many high expectations on the kid, but... Wow, 12 disposals in a, in a quarter of footy. In fact, after this, I'm going to go to and tweet Swamp and see if he can come up with a stat for that. He's got a stat for everything else, so I'm sure he does. Uh, another positive, I loved the first quarter of Brody Grundy going forward and kicking two goals. Now, he didn't do it for the rest of the game, but I think you've got to show him that on tape. And the way he worked over Nick Nat and Nathan Vardy in that first quarter, that's something that he should be doing later in the game. So the fact he did in the first quarter, I thought was really impressive. And it's something that he can add to his game that could could make him an even better player. And, and he should be, over the next five years, he should be the best player in our team. He should be on that contract. The age demographic that he's in now, he should be in the prime of his career still for the next five or six years. And he really, he doesn't need to, but it would be great to see him just develop that side of his game where he can push forward and, and kick some goals. And I think when you think of Brody Grundy and his assets as an AFL footballer, his aerobic capacity for a ruckman is unmatched. There's no ruckman in the competition that can go with him for four quarters of footy. And for me, that's why he gets so many disposals around the ground is because he just works over his opponents who simply can't go with him. But unfortunately, I think in his career to date, he hasn't been able to use that advantage that advantage in an offensive aspect in terms of going forward and kicking too many goals. And he showed that on Monday. Oh, sorry, on Monday, on Friday night. I don't know why I said Monday. He showed that on Friday night in the first quarter, kicking two goals. It was really impressive. And that's something, if I look at Brody Grundy, I think, can he become a goal a game player? Can he get you 20 goals a season? Now, maybe that's pushing it, but can he get you 15? I think that's a realistic goal. Can he get you 15 goals a season? Now, I think they were the first two goals he kicked this season through five games. So can he add that string to his bow? I'd absolutely love if he could. Now, if he could do it by actually resting forward, then that would be great. But I think he's got a big capacity to be able to 
whilst he's in whilst he's in the ruck, go forward and, and kick a goal or two a game. So I'm looking forward to seeing if that can develop over the course of this season. But other than that, I mean, there weren't too many positives, especially in the second and third quarter, were really disappointing. And then, of course, the injuries. The injuries mounted. We had Levi Greenwood uh, out this week with delayed concussion. And then the two big ones, I guess, Jeremy Howe in that second quarter. Looked like it could have been really horrible. Looked like he was clutching his knee at first, which when I saw it, I thought, oh, no, that's ACL kind of thing out for the rest of the year again. Fortunately for him, it's only a hamstring. It's supposed to only be three to four weeks. So that's a probably a positive result from what it looked like initially, that's for sure. And then Jordan Degoe, a bit of a strange one. I'm assuming he's got a broken nose. I haven't. I think he's got a broken nose. Uh, and then some concussion to go along with that. It was a weird one because he got the hit and then he went off the ground and then he came back on, got a, got a kick, and then went back off the ground and was ruled out for the rest of the game. We know with those two, the phone scandal that uh, occurred now, to me... The, the club deserved the $20,000 fine. There's no way you can get around that. I know Bucks came out and said, look, Geordie was concussed. He might not necessarily have been thinking straight. Well, he shouldn't have had the opportunity in the first place. The case should have been closed. He shouldn't have even had that opportunity. Yes, I feel for Jeremy Howe, who's you know got a pregnant wife at home who thinks that he might have done his knee. Yes, you want to get in contact with her. I understand that. But the club also has to have a person in place to be able to do that so the players don't have to. And so the rules are abided by the rules are simple and clear and when i saw it on the uh on the broadcast on friday night i looked at it and think that's weird that shouldn't be happening so i knew the rules i know that that's not allowed to happen so i don't know how the club and the two players yes geordie might have been cast but i'm not sure how the two players aren't aware of the rules in place i don't know I, there's just no ex- excusing that we move on but at the end of the day it's an unnecessary distraction that is entirely preventable. So it's disappointing. But uh, with Howe and Dugowie out this week, along with Greenwood, along with the suspension of Mark Keane, who will we see? That's coming up next. Swan, chance here. He can run this Swanee. He's going to latch his back and take them on. Gets to the pocket. Oh, and yes, he does. Oh, that was huge. So, uh, of course, four, at least four changes for Sunday's Anzac Day clash against the Bombers, uh, obviously probably the biggest day on the Australian calendar, to be honest, and the the game between the Pies and the Dons just adds to that, and it always seems to be just a great battle, regardless of where the teams actually are on the ladder. If you've got the opportunity to go to a Dawn service or something on Sunday, I'd highly recommend it. I think a couple of hours of your time and early morning is uh, the least we can do to go and commemorate our veterans uh, and all they did for us over... The first, second world wars currently and everything else that the Australian military has been involved in, it's uh, you know, it's why we're here today, it's why we have the freedom. So a couple of hours in an early morning is the least we can do, that's for sure. I'll be getting up and uh, going to my local RSL and whatnot to uh, to commemorate that. But uh, on to the game, as I said, at least four changes. Back on the Darcy Moore point, I was, uh, I was not only disappointed with the fact that Darcy played forward on Friday night, but I was almost equally as disappointed in the fact that Will Kelly coming off his injury played defense in the VFL on Saturday. It seemed a pretty obvious thing to me to have Will Kelly, when he returns from injury, come into the AFL side uh, and play as a forward. So obviously he has to have at least one, potentially two games in the VFL uh, to, to get that match fitness back under his belt. 
but I would have liked that to be a forward and then eventually come into the senior side as a forward. Now, as it stands, I actually think with Keane being out of the side due to suspension, I actually think Will Kelly will probably play this week. Uh, and unfortunately, I think it'll be as a defender. Now, Bucks has got a pretty clear situation here. Is more plays back, Kelly plays forward, or Kelly plays back more? Uh, more plays forward. It's a, it's pretty simple. Uh, one of them will play at one of the at one end of the ground, and the other will play at the other end of the ground. But for me, I'd prefer to have Kelly as a forward, see what he can do down there, and have that all Australian key defender in Darcy Moore down back. Now, there's every chance that Darcy Moore could kick six goals on Anzac Day and win the Anzac Day medal. There's every chance of that. I just still think, from a long term perspective, that it's not the play, but. It is what it is, and as I said before, from a realistic standpoint, I think Bucks will try it again. I think Darcy Moore will play forward, and I think that Will Kelly will replace Mark Keane to play in defence. Now, the other three changes, as I said, Greenwood, Howe, and Degoe all out through injury. Look, Braden Sire was the sub last week. I don't think he's really shown a whole lot this year. He's He's been fairly disappointing. There was a lot of talk about with Trelaw going out that he'd get that extra midfield opportunity, and he has. He just hasn't taken it with two hands, I don't think. In saying that, I think he plays. I think I look at him and Levi Greenwood, and I think that only one of them, I think, can play in the AFL side. And with Greenwood obviously out with injury, I think Sire comes in as that inside midfielder. Now, Will Hoskin Elliott, interesting one, managed last week. Of course, a lot of fans were uh, have been waiting weeks and weeks for him to be dropped from the AFL side. He was managed, uh, but he did play VFL on Saturday. Pretty quiet, 11 disposals. Uh, I think the manage was more from the fact that his wife had just had a child. Uh, so congratulations to Will and his wife there on uh, on their uh, child that was born. I think either uh, it might have been just before the Giants game, potentially, actually. But uh, either way, congratulations to them. Uh, even though he's disappointing in the VFL, I think he comes back in. I know fans... Might not necessarily want to hear that, but I think uh, I think there's a good chance he comes back in. Uh, so, Sire, Hoskin, Elliot, Kelly. And the last one, there's been some good performances in the VFL. Jay Rantall, uh, by all reports, was best on on Saturday. He could potentially play. Nathan Murphy is another. I was astounded by the words of Matt Randell. And at the moment, I'm taking it, everything Matt Randell says with a grain of salt. But he was saying that potentially Nathan Murphy was going to be taken by the Pies at pick six in the draft where we... It was the 2017 draft where we took Stevenson at pick six. And he really... And he and the Pies, obviously, really rated Nathan Murphy very highly. Now, he obviously hasn't had too much opportunity, uh, largely due to injury, uh, but he's strung some, some decent performances along in the VFL now. So he's every chance to, uh, to come back in. And what he didn't play last year, I don't think he played... 2019 either, so it'll be his first game since 2018, uh, but we'll wait and see what happens there. I think it's probably out of Murphy and Rantall. Uh, I think maybe Henry, Ollie Henry gets another crack, but look, f- from uh, from an on-field standpoint, I'm really looking forward again to seeing Finlay McRae play a-, a game of full-time midfield. Now, I think he played midfield for the predominant uh, predominantly on uh, Friday night against the Eagles, but in terms of that real inside midfield stuff, he got the massive opportunity in the last quarter. He took it with both hands. So I think for the next, well, probably from here on end, you've just got to pencil him in as probably one of those three starting on balls. I know he's only in his second game this week, but I think he's got that potential. And uh, you just you just give him that opportunity. And 
the West Coast midfield, I think, is better than the Essendon one. So as I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes and has 25 possessions this week. In terms of the results, the Pies are favourites. This is a game I spoke about, the Eagles game. I wasn't expecting to win. This is a game I expect to win. And the bookies do as well. The Pies are $1.73 favourites, I believe. And you look at Essendon and their development. They're in a, a similar stage, I guess. But we're probably still in a stage where we're still trying to make top eight, as I don't think Essendon are. They're in a full rebuild stage. We saw what they did in the trade period last year, bringing in all those high draft picks, losing Danaher, losing Adam Saad. So um, I'm bullish that we can get the win. I thought we showed enough, especially in the first and fourth quarters against the Eagles last week, to be good enough to win this game. But at the same time, after that Giants game, you can't be too confident with this footy club at the moment against anyone they come up against. I mean, we play North Melbourne in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, look, am I going to be confident going into that game? Maybe not, to be honest. After that Giants game, there's uh, not that I've lost all hope, but I've lost all guarantee that we're going to be able to come out and beat a team comfortably, that's for sure. But if you look at the fixture, yes, we're 1-4 and four at the moment, but the next three weeks, I believe we have Essendon, obviously, at the G, Gold Coast at the G, and then North. So... We really, really should be winning our next three games. And then if you turn after eight games at four and four, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not all. It's not the uh, the doom and gloom that many are projecting or, or have us at currently. So it starts this week. If we can get on a little bit of a roll, get some confidence up, and then we have obviously a couple of very, very winnable games where we'll go in favourites again. I don't think there's any excuse for us not to be 4-4 four and four after eight rounds. And then all of a sudden, yes, finals are back on the horizon, back on the table, that's for sure. So it's not necessarily the win-loss again. It's about how we play. And obviously, if we play well, we're most likely going to win. But it's also, as I said before, you know, the McCrays, the McCreary's, potentially the Murphys, the Rantals that come in, the young guys really developing, giving them opportunity and still trying to win games of footy at the moment. I'm looking at a couple of the senior types. Scotty Pendlebury, still side bottom. I think have been down in the last couple of weeks. Yes, they're aging players, but they're still the best few players we've got at this footy club. And we do have high expectations of them. And yes, they're going to slow down at some point, but I don't think this is necessarily the time that they'll do that. So hopefully they bounce back. We know Pendles loves an Anzac day. Pencil him in for another Anzac Day middle, I reckon. Once you've got two already, you can make it a hat-trick, I reckon. Hopefully, Pendle's an Anzac Day medal. Look, if Darcy Moore plays forward, yes, I'll be hoping he kicks a few snags, that's for sure. The other thing from a team selection point of view I forgot to mention, I was amazed that Mason Cox came out of the team for Darcy Cameron. I just thought there's there's been times where Cox has played where he's probably deserved to be dropped. I just didn't think this was a time he deserved to be dropped. I was astounded. To be honest, absolutely astounded. Now, in saying that, now Cameron had 10 disposals, 4 marks and a goal. Didn't set the world on fire, but you're not going to change that on the back of one week. You're going to give Cameron a couple of weeks. You're going to give Cox a few weeks in the VFL to hopefully rediscover some form if he was out of form. I mean, the Mason Cox we saw in the first few rounds, that's just the Mason Cox we've seen over the last couple of years. And... We saw what he did in the elimination final last year in the first quarter. He can give you that. I'm not sure Darcy Cameron is standing up and kicking your three or four goals in a game. Mason Cox, yes, he might be inconsistent, but he can give you that. He's he's shown an ability to kick three or four goals in a game. Not sure Darcy Cameron has. So for me, I was astounded, but in saying that, I don't think they're going to make that change. And apart from those four force changes, I can't see too much else happening. 
But as I said, hopefully a win, hopefully uh, a Pendles Anzac Day medal to go with his uh, other two that he's already got there. Should be a fantastic game, as I said. Important to enjoy the game, but also really important to commemorate the day for, for what it is. So as I said, encourage everyone to get along to a dawn service if you can. Other than that, guys, thank you very much for listening to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Hopefully a win on Sunday, and uh, we can come and celebrate next week on next week's episode. Cheers, guys.